This is Novius Job Search Advice Radio, episode 2540. I'm your host, Jeff Alton, the Game Hunter, and welcome to Friday. We're having an interview with Virginia Franco, who I met recently, really enjoyed talking with her, thought she'd be a great guest for you. And she's described resume writing and the audience for it in a way that should have been obvious to me, but she described it perfectly. We've got skim readers, we don't have readers. And she addresses how to write a resume for skim readers. Perfect topic. Hope you find it helpful. Hope you give the show a great review wherever you listen to it or watch it. Share it. Leave a comment. Click the like button. Do something. And now we'll be back in just one moment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. So my guest today is Virginia Franco, a multi-certified executive resume and LinkedIn writer, coach and storyteller, whose documents are written for today's, I love this, online skim readers and get interviews, helps them get interviews. And she founded Virginia Franco Resumes, which helps job seekers worldwide to tell their stories and test the job search waters, often for the first time in years or after deciding to make a career change. Virginia, welcome. Thanks for making time today. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Online skim readers. No one talks about that. How did you get focused in on that? What did you notice? Online skim readers. Well, you know, I I noticed it as I began to write for all audiences. My background's in journalism, which gave me the opportunity to write for newspapers and magazines and websites and a little of everything. And as our screens got smaller, I discovered that people, I noticed change in how people were reading. And I also learned that that applied to resumes because I was writing resumes at the same time. Um, you know, 20 years ago, people were mostly reading resumes in print, right? We had that the lovely uh, off-white paper that we used to buy. And then they began reading it on big desktops and then laptops, and now it's mobile devices. Um, so, so far, it doesn't seem to me that anyone is reading it on an Apple Watch, but maybe that is that is to be expected. But the smaller the device, the harder it is to read, and you have to take that into account. So as someone who's writing a resume, uh, mm-hmm. or a LinkedIn profile for that matter, um, you have a unique perspective on how people are reading these things, which is really what we're going to be talking about today, folks, is writing for how people are reading and where they're reading. So 
what have you learned? What have you noticed about how resumes need to be adapted for these devices? So I guess there's three things that I keep in mind. The first is that when we read online, well, actually, let me back up. Everything designed for an online read when written well can convey well in print. It's just the documents designed mostly for print don't do well online and they do really, really poorly on mobile because our eyes do two things sort of differently. Um, and by taking into account, you can facilitate a skim read if anything from an email to a slide deck to a resume. Uh, first and foremost, we have a really hard time digesting dense text. So big paragraphs that are longer than three lines, bullets that are crammed together are really, really hard for us when we're reading um, because that five, that three, that five line paragraph on a big screen turns into a seven or an eight line on a smaller screen. And think about how you read terms and conditions when you sign up for something online. Read it's, them? Read you them? Know, it's, it's teeny weeny, it's squished together and you go, Ugh, I'm not reading that, which is probably what they have in mind, but it's that same principle. Um, luckily though, it's an easy fix. You can you know, tighten up your language, widen your margins a little bit. You can go as far, I'm comfortable going out to about half an inch on all sides. Um, to keep your paragraphs to two to three lines. And then by adding white space in between each and every paragraph and bullet, you're just sort of making the eye think, oh, that's not too tough to read. Um, because what happens is if something's hard to read and someone's in a rush, you, you run the risk that they're gonna skip it. Um, and that is true across any kind of writing, especially resumes. Um, I know when I used to critique yeah. resumes a lot, um, I think I even did a video with this title, Kill Blocky Resumes. You know, resume, yeah. resumes that are blocky are completely unreadable. And it's even it's, more it's, so on, on, on mobile. It is. It's, you know, when I think of a recruiter or hiring manager that's got to look at 70 to 100 pieces of paper. And are they going to look at the one with the big, thick, block, scrunched up text versus the one that's shorter and sweeter and easier to read? Probably they're going to read what's easier because um, they're pressed for time. The, uh, the other thing that we do that's a little different online is that we are, I, I call it being ADD. We jump all over the place depending on what interests us. Uh, and that's a departure from how we were taught to read as kids where you open a book and you start at the beginning of the page and you go left to right, top to bottom. Um, so because because we jump all over the place, I, I like to use some design elements like bolding or shading. Um, things like that to sort of draw the reader where I want them to go. But then when I'm writing a sentence, I front load it, which means I put the most powerful part of whatever I'm trying to say at the beginning of the sentence, because I know that there's a chance that the reader might go on to something else um, because I know that's how I read. Uh, and so those little, those principles can really help to capture a skim reader's attention. Um, and even if you don't capture it fully, at least they've taken in the key pieces that you're trying to convey. It's fascinating because, you know, as I think about the different devices I own, mm -hmm. um, most of my work I do on a laptop. And mm -hmm. then I've got the iPad and I've got the phone and I'm in different places and I read my messages and I read resumes that people send to me. Why? I have no idea, but that's a different conversation. And, uh -huh. you know, I'm, I'm trying to get through 
uh, different views of things on each of the devices. The phone, as large as my phone is these days, it's still small. The iPad is is the intermediate device. Mm -hmm. uh, and to think of writing the resume to accommodate all three um, is fascinating. Well, the good thing to me is that if you run it by your iPhone, which is, um, I guess we're on camera, you know, this is sort of the average size, um, it if it works well with your phone, it's going to be great on your iPad, really good on your laptop and super easy in print. So you sort of have all your bases covered um, because resumes, in my experience, get read for the first time online. But then people do print it out. It's just a little bit later down the road. It's not usually that first read. Yeah. And I don't even know that they do print it out, do they? I mean, some old some hiring managers, when they just have three people to interview, they might print it out and they might highlight. You don't know how old school or new school you're dealing with, but I have heard that people are printing still, so I don't want to rule that out. But you cannot ignore the fact that the stuff is read first and foremost online. So, so let me just check with you about something that I've told people for years, and it's laptop oriented or, or computer oriented, and mm -hmm. that is. Uh, the information that you want to communicate about your background that's relevant for the job should be within one, if not two tops page downs so that because no one's going to go to the middle of page two to find something relevant. Is that still applicable or do you recommend something even simpler? So I... I, I know there's a lot of studies about one and two and three page resumes. I feel like two pages is more than enough to convey what you need to convey when you have, you know, 10 plus years of experience. But in terms of the good stuff, I'm with you. If something really relevant to your job target happened and it's from eight to 10 years ago and likely on page two, you should reference it in maybe the branding at the very top. So you want to tease anything relevant from page two at the top of page one um, cool. so that the reader at least is clued in to want to read more. Um, and I use a lot of my, uh, to me, I always think resumes are read really the same way you and I read the news when we're pressed for time. Think about when you want to get your news, whether you go to Twitter or a news site or a newspaper, you know, you look at the headline. The headline tells you what the story is going to be about. Then you read that first paragraph and it gives you sort of a, sense for what the rest is going to be about those two sections when you bring them over to the resume they they help the reader to do the same thing and so in that summary that first paragraph that's where you sort of say this is some cool stuff i did on page two where you reference it gotcha and i was thinking about that page down option on the keyboard uh, as being oh okay got it yeah sorry so, <laughs> no that's fine because I think it's important, too, that anything relevant that would be on page one, uh, sorry, on page two, has to get uh, teased on page one to make them want to go look for it. But I always yeah. think in terms of, okay, when I was first reading resumes and I was skimming because I was looking right. for what was most important to me and not all the extra fluff that someone was trying to communicate, uh, I always thought in terms of the page down button. Uh, and I would hit page down oh, once. I think in terms of my thumb, <laughs> scrolling with my thumb. Yeah, the same thing. So yeah. in, in days of old with laptops, you hit page down. Yeah. And if it wasn't <laughs> there, one more. And if you still didn't see it, it was too old. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be pretty, pretty 
tenured and fabulous to, to for me to go well into a third page. So, yeah, I don't believe in three page resumes except for individuals with a PhD who've got lots of publications. And, yeah, or someone has like I've I've seen, worked with M and A people where they have like deals that they like yeah. a highlight or supplemental piece. I'll I'll add a third page for that. Yeah, that makes sense because uh, the deals are really what people are buying. Right. Um. So when people are reading resumes, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll see if there's something different with LinkedIn profiles um, okay. in, in a second, but because of the multiple devices, you want to front load all the information, create a lot of white space around it so it's more easily readable. Uh, and uh, do you have people communicate with personality as well in their resume? Or is it more data oriented? Um, so I like to infuse personality with by showing rather than telling. So I don't want to say someone is a team player or, you know, great multitasker. Those adjectives are really overused. And so they've lost their value, um, but you can show it. So you can suggest that someone, um, you know, key contributor to a team shows that you're a team player. Um if you wore three hats as part of a startup and you sort of outline that, that shows that you are a great multitasker. Um, if someone is really passionate about something and it's really critical to the kind of work they do, like if they're really, um, I worked with a woman the other day who was really committed to helping women advance in technology. And so right off the bat at the beginning, I said that she has been a longtime champion of of girls who code and a couple of things like that. And so that suggests something about their personality and mm -hmm. what's important to them, but they're, it backs it up with some data. So it's so, showing rather than telling. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It, okay. I, I've been a big believer in that as well. No one like yeah. terms like team player or uh, out of the box thinker. Yeah. It used to work great. I loved 15 years ago when I could just come up with really fabulous adjectives, but they got, unfortunately, they lost their punch. So, and, and I know I learned when I was still doing recruiting. So tell me about something out of the box that you, that you created or implemented. And then yes. you hear pretty standard stuff because um, no one could back up the statement. Out of the box. That's in the box, yeah. <laughs> Very much so. So with LinkedIn profiles, what do you recommend people do there different than the resume? So LinkedIn, um, I think the latest stat I saw is that 64% or 54%, over half of all readers are using mobile. So that's important. And then obviously it's exclusively online. So the principles around front loading and um, block text, avoiding it, that's all super relevant. Um, in terms of the tone though, LinkedIn is very different. So it's conversational versus the resume that's a little bit more formal. So it's, I like to, especially in that about section, I like to make sure to talk about the person in the first person and maybe elaborate on what makes them tick. Like what, how do they lead teams? What is it about them that people rely on them for over and over again? Just things so that when someone reads that section, they feel like they walked away with having had a conversation. Um, but in terms of readability, to me, it's the same components. You can't use design elements in LinkedIn as effectively without compromising um, some of the searchability. Um, 
LinkedIn is really algorithm driven. And so, you know, a lot of people talk about keywords and resumes. To me, it's probably more effective to put keywords in the LinkedIn. And so I'll use LinkedIn's resume builder to come up with keywords that align with someone's job search target. And then I make sure to put them in the headline in the experience sections and then the skills section at the bottom. And I'm going to play audience for a second. LinkedIn's resume builder. Okay. Yes. Where did they <laughs> find a resume builder? So if you go to your, um, you click on, you know, the, the picture button where you look at your little picture, right? So you've got your, your name, your, um, the background, and then there's a little thing that says more and you click on the more button and there's three tools and one is build a resume. And then you type in the job title that you're interested in. It will come up with a list of keywords that are relevant to their, to LinkedIn's database. Um, if you, my understanding is that if you have premium, you get more, uh, more keywords than you do otherwise. So to me, that's a perfect reason to use the 30 day uh, free trial. So if nothing else, just to get a bunch of keywords. Um, but it's, I love it because then you're not guessing as to what the keywords are. It's those are the ones that people that are using LinkedIn recruiter and then who have job postings on there are, they put into their job titles um, or their job uh, postings. Right. And, you know, as someone who worked in recruiting, I purchased LinkedIn recruiter and folks yeah. think of it from the standpoint of it being a data dictionary. They don't want to. Exactly. They don't want to uh, make it uh, uh, completely free-flowing vocabulary. It's simpler for the systems and the algorithms to work with this dictionary of terms. So every time you start typing something and it gives you an option uh, from auto-populating it, that's really the data dictionary offering you a preferred choice. Use their choice because otherwise you wind up yeah. being invisible. Exactly. When you weave in one or two keywords in the headline at the top, one or two, you know, in the job titles, you can expand upon your titles and include some keywords. And then in the skills section, I've seen that it can really help someone to show up for in search. Um, so it's one of my favorite tools when I'm writing. Excellent. Uh, and folks have a LinkedIn resume. Make it easy for people to find you. That is what you right. want when you're looking for a job. That's right. It's a two-fold tool. It's to use it to find others and get found. Bingo. So is there something else that people should be uh, trying to do with their LinkedIn profiles uh, in order to deal with how people read them? In terms of how people read them, um, it is not a cut and paste of your resume. I mentioned the tone. Um, the other thing that I would say with the with LinkedIn, when you're writing your experience section, there is some data that or some information you might share on your resume that isn't relevant, isn't appropriate for every LinkedIn audience. So if you work for a private company, for instance, you're not going to share certain revenue figures. You're, you're certainly not going to throw your current employer under the bus and say you jumped in and fixed a hot mess. Um, so what you want to do is speak to, you know, conversationally, this is what I was brought on to do. This is what I did. Um, if you did, if you were currently working for a company and things are a wreck and you're working to fix it, you could still just, you need to uh, write it in a way that is positioning you as a good corporate steward. Um, because it, to me, the best balance is if, if you're employed to, to show that you are the best employee while also being a really strong candidate. 
So let's say you're a sales professional. Mm-hmm. I imagine a sales professional takes a very different tone than a social worker. That's right. That's right. They're both people facing though. They're both customer facing, right. but you want to, the salesperson needs to explain what the, what the company does, what the product's about. Um, they're not going to say that they came into a neglected territory though, because that doesn't look really good for the company, for your, for your current role, but that's stuff you can share in your resume. Um, but you could say, I'm, you know, I'm leading an eight person team and this is my territory and this is the product and this is how it's helping countless people. Um, and of course you share your numbers with that. Uh, and that, and then the resume you go into the details around, they were hemorrhaging money and now they're not and you know, those sorts of things. So, and I was such a wonderful contributor to all of this. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I made everything yeah. wonderful all because of yeah. me. That's right. But the good thing is that reading online is the same, whether you're reading LinkedIn, a resume, a, a slide deck. So you keep your paragraphs to two to three lines, you add white space, um, and you run everything you write past your phone. That's my my litmus test for everything. That's a smart approach. I always test it on your phone uh, because yep. so many people on LinkedIn are reading profiles on their phone. Well, we know, yeah, we have the numbers. And you you and I talked offline about the old um, data point, the six seconds of attention that people give to documents. That That's probably true on LinkedIn as well. And so you've got to scroll for six seconds with your thumb. And if it's not, if you're not catching the salient points, then you need to go back to the drawing board. There's no way to, to bold face on LinkedIn to, to draw someone's eye. There is, there are, um, there's different, uh, fan, I forget. I've got a couple of websites they are called fancy fonts um, that you can use to do bold and underline and things like that. Um, and I will use those a little bit, but anything any word that you put in those fonts cannot be read it's by uh, the tools that are looking to find you on LinkedIn. So you need to make sure that whatever, if any word you put in there is really important, that it shows up in plain text as well. Does that make sense? So it, to translate for the audience, you have to mention yes. it twice. One in the fancy font, one yes. in plain yes. text. So one is for the machines to read, one is for the humans to read. Excellent. Um, and I know sometimes with posts that I do, I'll, I'll do them offline, not on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll write them out with the fonts uh, and with style uh, and then bring it over to LinkedIn and it will appear correct. Yeah. Yeah. I use Lingo. I'm looking at my uh, screen, lingojam.com's fancy text generator. That's one of my favorites. I'll say it one more time. It's called lingojam.com fancy text generator that's one of them um oh, the other one's a weird one it's not very good Look, <laughs> so. let's stick with that one free tool paid yeah. tool okay free tool totally free. yeah everyone loves free yes so we've talked about how people read these days mm-hmm. let's just talk in terms of resume advice that you have for people that yeah is unique to you I feel like this is a best practice that a lot of people speak to, but I see it over and over again as an issue in resumes. And that's two, well, there's two things. One is that people don't write with a target in mind. And the more targeted your resume is, the more effective, you know, how, how you write for a social worker is different than how you write for sales. Um, 
the points that you pull out of someone's experience are different. Um, your headline is obviously different. It, it informs everything you write. So I always say, make sure that you are clear on your target because you use that target to think back to each role and ask yourself, why was I brought on? What was what were things like before I got there? What are things like as I'm leaving or when I left? And where did, where did I make an impact with that? And how can I prove it? Um, those answers are what you base that's the stuff you include on your resume. So your resume needs to be really accomplishment focused versus day in and day out responsibility focused. Um, what you did at the end of the day is much more memorable and impactful than all of your different responsibilities. And the good thing is that you can sort of imply what your responsibilities were by talking about your accomplishments. Um, but those always start with the with the target in mind. So I, I always go back to journalism because I was a high school sports editor. And, and mm -hmm. the theme was who, what, where, when, why, and how. That's right. Uh, so Right. So, and how can you prove it? <laughs> correct. Uh, and right. thus, yeah, that context makes all the difference. And that's the way journalists were taught to write. And mm -hmm. I have to assume for you as someone who helps people with resumes, yeah. you look at it from the standpoint of, okay, we know who you are. And what did you do? What's what's the most important element to what we're trying to communicate? So those elements, who, what, where, when, why, and how, get into, into your story of the resume and LinkedIn profile. But what's most important of those? What's going to catch the reader's eye? Um, for some careers, it's the how. Uh, for some careers, it's the the where is the branding uh, for for where you were working uh, and how that draws people to you. And you can go through each of these elements, who, what, where, when, why, and how, and pull things out from that uh, that will be useful to, to standing out from your competition. That's, exact, that's exactly right. The other thing that I always keep in mind, and this is something related to skim reading online, it, so in print, we read the first bullet, then the second, then the third, then the fourth. But skim readers, we know that they usually will read the very first bullet. And if they happen to have extra time, they'll go down to the bottom bullet, which means the stuff in the middle often doesn't get looked at until a little bit later down the road. So you want to make sure that you lead off with something that's really, really impactful. So often I will ask my client, what, what are you proudest of? And I'll work that into, I'll make that my first bullet. And then I might weave in, um, a descriptor about the company or something that shows the reader that, you know, this is what the company was about. And what that does is it replaces what, what I, how resumes used to be written where you would lead off with, uh, you know, I worked for Kraft Foods, a fortune 500 company with 36,000 employees. Blah, blah, blah. And then you go into your achievements uh, by flipping that leading off with the achievement and sort of describing the company, you're killing two birds with one stone. Yes, yeah, so somehow or other, we all know uh, knew who Kraft Foods is. We no longer have to explain it to everyone. That's right. But some companies are a little bit, you might not know them. So if you need to describe it, then weave that into a little piece. But don't make it the very lead, the, the only thing the reader sees at the beginning because you're missing that, that moment of their attention. Um, so think top, bottom, middle when you're looking at bullets. Um, and then when people are reading uh, what do you call it? Like lists that uh, go, uh, what's the word when you have like a word, another word, another word, and you have those up and down bars bracket. Yes. Those pipes. pipes uh, yeah. They read right, right, left, center. 
when they're in a rush. Interesting. Uh, and thus think in terms of where the eye flows. That's right. And, and on a phone, it's going to be different than on your laptop uh, and the iPad as the middle device may be you know, different from yeah, that. Yeah, right, right. What haven't we covered yet that we really should, Virginia? I feel like we've covered it all. To me, it's it's comforting because I think through how do all of us read the news when we're in a rush, and then you can apply it to anything you're writing. You just don't tell your English teacher because it's a big departure from how we were taught to write in high school. So keep that on the down low. <laughs> Thank you. Virginia, this has been great. How can people find out more about you, the work that you do, everything? My uh, website is virginiafrancoresumes.com. I could not come up with a better name than that when my accountant asked me for one years ago. Um, so it's my name. And I'm on all the socials, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of it. Super. Virginia, thanks for making time today. And no, my pleasure. Really good questions. Thank you. And folks, we'll be back soon with more. I'm Jeff Altman. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you didn't, you're watching on YouTube, share it, leave a comment, click the like button, do something that lets people know it was worthwhile. And I'll also mention, visit my website, thebiggamehunter.us. There is a ton in the blog that you can watch, listen to, or read that will help you. Also, you can schedule time for a free discovery call with me or a coaching session. Find out about my courses, books, and guides. There's just a lot there. Lastly, connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash The Big Game Hunter. Hope you have a terrific day. And most importantly, be great. Take care.